Welcome to episode 72 of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I am going to be interviewing Michael Samra, a fellow realtor. He's with Remax West, and we're going to get into his story. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, John. Thanks so much. So, I mean, I was I was saying off air, I was uh, completely <laughs> excited about this. Uh, you're Definitely, I, I checked you out online, and you're Thank definitely you. a little bit more unique than the average agent out there. So I see you're applying some old school tactics, some new school stuff, and you know, which is great because you know you don't abandon the old just because something new comes along. You're sort of like the tried and true, which yeah. is awesome. So, but before we get into the uh, show, I'm going to start off the way I always start off is why don't you give us a uh, biography slash brief history of uh, yourself and how you got into the business. Oh, right. Okay. So, um, where should I start? Okay. So, uh, I flunked out of my first year of university after that, I uh, got basically kicked out, um, then did some online and, you know, um, distant education at Ryerson, got into the uh, workforce, uh, was working towards an HR degree, uh, started working in, you know, certain HR fields, decided I wanted to get into construction. So then uh, applied to uh, the uh, plumber and steamfitter union, local 46, and uh, worked as a, as a commercial plumber uh, before I got into real estate. So uh, I worked on, um, you know, power plants, uh, Gory Power Plant, Young and Dundas. I did a lot of stuff from the ground up. Realized one day that uh, I don't want to do this. There's something more for me out there. Uh, my wife was on mat leave. Um, she was not getting topped up for mat leave. I decided I'd quit my job and started to study for my courses. So not the greatest of times to get into uh, get into it just from a financial perspective. But that's how I started off in real estate. And yeah, as you mentioned, the old school style uh, of calling um, was done through necessity. I don't have a big network of people. I don't have a huge amount of friends that I uh, was in contact with. So my only other option was to call. That's literally how I got into what I do now. So absolutely makes sense, right? Like the good old phone, God forbid, like, you know, people today don't know what those things look like. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you see, you, you hear noises and people are looking at, what is that? <laughs> it's, like, it's your phone. Yeah. It's that's funny. Awesome. I, I don't realize that it's, it's an untapped, I mean, you know, and especially in the last, I'd say, you know, 18, 20 months, I've had numerous amount of people reach out to me saying, you know, I can't do open houses. I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, I have to start to call now. How do I do it? What do I do? What do I say? Um, and it's funny that a lot of, you know, a lot of my colleagues don't realize what they have to do on the phone. It's uh, it's a skill that I've been fortunate enough that I've learned over the years that I've been able to master. Um, and I've gone even beyond that with, you know, a lot of subconscious stuff that I say uh, that, that that connects subconsciously with people, which people don't realize how effective that is as well. So, right, exactly. And that's the thing, right? Like it's, it's one of those things like when this so-called pandemic or whatever you want to call it covid hit and we all shut down a lot of the old school tactics came into play and some new school tactics came into play but again no more door knocking open yep. houses were gone yep right you're not going to meet people at the local restaurant nope yep. and even if they're even when it, it opened in the beginning for a short period of time before we went back to lockdown People, you know, looked at you like you had cooties. They don't really want to talk to you. They want to talk to the person they're meeting. And the rest of it was get the heck away from me. Yeah. So yeah. with that being said, all those strategies are not going to work. No. Nope. Right? Even in the beginning, people didn't want mail for you because <laughs> we were led to believe that touching something was going to give you uh, cooties or something. Yep. Yep. Right? So even people didn't even, you know, door mailers didn't work. Right? So what do you do? That's it. Right. And it's the easiest way to do it, right? Have a conversation. Like literally all you do is having a conversation with somebody. You're just having a conversation. You're opening up conversation with them. You're inquiring, asking them questions. And what I do is mostly question-based. Well, you know, even if people search scripts, most of them are question-based. The good ones are, right? It's uh, it's identifying an objection, identifying what the problem is, isolating it, and, and trying to, you know, have the solution for it. That's really what it comes down to. And it's, it's, it's funny because I have a... Uh, fellow colleagues that, you know, I do this prospecting group every Monday with, you know, realtors that want to join on and we just, we call, we are all on zoom and we call our own spheres or cold calls. And, and these guys were cold calling before, and now they decided to get into a uh, new condo development and uh, they're making a shitload of money and they, they attribute it to having the skills of cold calling. 
because they're following up with these people and having that skill to talk to it. Now this internet lead who wants to buy a new condo development, they said like it's, they, they, they could not imagine having that skill and being able to successful as they are now, which is funny. Right. Absolutely. And again, right. We are in a people business and I've heard so many new agents come on going, Oh, I don't have anybody to call. I don't know anybody who can, I, what can I do? And 90% of that is bullshit. They just don't realize who they can call. And they're so rusty at it. They're scared. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, so I mean, when I, I remember my broker, when he started, he said they dropped the telephone book here, start from the A's actually start from the Y's because everyone starts from the A's. So start backwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So again, it's always doing what other people don't want to do usually produces the best results. Yep. So when you first started, I'm sure you didn't have, really have scripts or anything. And, you know, it's probably foreign to you. And, and even if you had scripts, I'm willing to bet that it was rusty in the beginning. Yes. So how did you come up with the idea? Okay. You came up with the idea of cold calling because of lack of choice, because you, you needed something, you needed it now. Um, yep. So how did you do, like, how did you first start getting leads to call like did you look did you use the phone book did you use the internet you know so i i first started off funny enough doing emails so i would i would email kijiji ads and i would spend all evenings emailing kijiji ads to the point where kijiji used to kick me off because i exceeded the amount of emails that i was able to send people on there um and my first few deals uh, were through some of these Kijiji ads, people that are selling for sale by owners and trying to convert a for sale by owner. Now, a warning, you want to put a warning across this, a for sale by owner is probably the hardest person to convert. Is you know, So many people say, oh yeah, call for sale by owners. You've got somebody who thinks they know, well, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't want to insult them, but you've got a person who believes that they have the skills to sell the house for a morning than, than, a, than you know, a, a professional. So you're trying to convince somebody to list with you, pay you money that they think they're saving. That's a really hard pitch to do. Um, and I started off doing though. I started off with Kijiji. Then I started getting, okay, after I exceeded those, I'm like, okay, I've emailed almost everybody. And now I'm like waiting for new, you know, ads to come up. Let's start calling a neighborhood. And that's literally why I started going through a phone book. I go to yellowpages.ca, look up a street, however I need to do it. And I started just calling numbers and sounding really stupid, making a lot of you know mistakes and sounding ridiculous and fumbling and, and not knowing what to say. Uh, but slowly but surely, you know, through some coaching, through some practice over and over again, I started to get good at it. So, Right. See, that's the thing. One thing I heard there, you said you picked a neighborhood. So you yes. weren't all over the place trying to get everything for everybody. Yes. And that's, that's the one thing even today I tell people to do. Think of it. I mean, for, for realtors out there, when you have a buyer, does the buyer pick the whole, all of the city? And if they do, you probably discourage them from that and say, listen, let's focus on one little area and then let's work our way out. Um, it's the exact same concept. Now there's other realtors that are colleagues of mine that they don't have a farm area and they're all over the place and they have a huge network and that works for them. For my situation, it didn't work, right? So I wanted to focus on the neighborhood because that's all I could, you know, put my attention on. And I had nothing else going. And I slowly planted a flag there year after year after year, calling, you know, then, you know, when I got a little bit of money, I would flyer sometimes. Then you see a for sale sign in there, then the neighborhoods. And now after what, you know, 12 years of doing it, you know, you start to get some recognition. They know who you are. They see your signs. They see your flyers. They see your office. They know who you are. And then now you start to get into a little bit of a different type of business where you're not trying to get the business. You're trying to retain the business. Yeah. Another key point there, right? Retaining the business. Yes. It is 50 times easier to keep a client than it is to find a new client. Yes. And so many people out there are always worried about the next thing and forget about the people who already know, like, and trust them. For sure. But it's a lot more fun to get that new client. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot big, bigger thrill for me to find that new client. I like the thrill of the hunt. So of course. For me, right. For me, it's that process. It's like, it's going through it. It's, it's searching through it all, finding that gem, making that contact and boom, that's, that's where I get that thrill from. Absolutely. Now, when you started, how long did it take to get your first deal? Because let's face it, agents today, you know, I got my license. I'm going to talk to anybody I can talk to. And I want to close a deal in 30 days. And I would say for most people, that's impossible. 
So now let's shed some light into this. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I will backtrack while I was getting my real estate license, while my wife was on mat leave, uh, we didn't have enough money. So I had to figure something to make money. And what I did, I got into the vending business. I actually would set up, I buy pop machines and snack machines, put them in factories. And I actually met, funny enough, he's an agent now too. He's a, a York region cop and he was doing the same thing. And we actually bonded and we started to sell vending routes. And you might think how much is, I, we were selling 80 to $100,000 vending routes and collecting commissions. We were basically vending brokers. Um, and we were doing that. That's what was paying for my mortgage, paying for groceries most of the time. And one of the clients I met through that, he worked for a huge developer and he gave me my first listing, but it was after nine months after I got my license. Um, and he gave me, gave me that nine months. after nine months. Yes. Yeah. I did not make, I did not make a deal up until that point. I was still working in real estate as hard as I could, but eight, nine months is when I got my first deal in real estate. And then after that, yeah, it was probably a few months till I got my second one. Right. But they compound. See, it takes nine months for the first one. Yes. I'm willing to bet it's only about three or four for the second. Yes. Right. And then it just keeps getting, as long as you keep working that, that, that phone list, you keep working the connections you make, you keep working everything on a consistent basis. I'm willing to bet just keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter to eventually you can almost predict when your phone's going to ring to a certain. So basically the whole idea of farming a neighborhood is farming. Like, so the calls I'm making today are seeds I'm planting to harvest, you know, maybe come February, March, April. I don't know when those things will germinate at certain points, but the idea exactly what you said is I need to keep on planting these seeds as I move through my day. My real estate career is to keep on planting these seeds. If I don't plant them, I can't harvest them. So yeah, it's very, very important. You may think what you're doing is you know not important right now, but those seeds you're planting, they definitely do germinate and they they blossom at some point in time. That's the idea. Right. Now I, I used to do a lot of open houses. I, when I say a lot, I mean a lot. 52 weeks a year, I did wow. 50 of them. And wow. I did that for uh at least three years straight. So you can that's a lot of open houses. And there were times I've done two, two per day, and you know, on a Saturday and two on a Sunday. And believe me, it was exhausting, but I, and I took a different approach to it myself. Like a lot of times, you know, are you here to look out at the house? Well, no, they just walked in because they saw a sign. Of course they're there to look at the house. They may not be buying it, but they're there yep. to look at it. Yep. But I mean, like, so, but you know, we, when we're young, we're early in the business, we ask stupid questions like that. And <laughs> so what ended up happening is I thought I want to be different. I want to try a different approach. So I know they're looking for a house. They may not be looking for that house. They may be a nosy neighbor. And I'm not going to say, hey, are you a nosy neighbor? Are you looking? Mm -hmm. um, anybody that looks at a house, they're looking for a reason. 100%. Right. They may not be ready. Sometimes they're at an open house and they're like six months away. Mm -hmm. Right. So and that's just the reality of the, uh, of the business. Now, sometimes they're comparing to something else they want to see. So I, I, you know, I started to learn from this stuff. And what I used to do, as an example, I'll do the open house from two to four. So I'll get a person's feedback and I'd use a little line like this, which I really meant. I go, hey, I'm doing the open house. Obviously, I'm here to sell this house, but I'm not only representing this house. And since it's not my house, I don't have any emotional connection to this house. So don't worry if you don't like it. You don't have to pretend. Um, but, you know, I would like a little bit of feedback on what you did like and what you didn't like, and what are you comparing it to in the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. So they would give me the information. Now they, they would tell me what other houses they wanted to see. I oh, want to see the house, you know, three you know, streets down, um, but it, you know, they didn't have an open house. So uh, we're gonna have to figure out, you know, how to get it and you know, how to get a show, you know, get in there to see it for ourselves. Maybe we'll uh, call someone or call the agent or something. I said, I got a, an even simpler idea if you're open to it. And they're looking at it goes, oh, okay, I go, I'm off at four. By the time I get out of here, pack up, whatever, it's about 4.15. I could book a showing. We'll say we'll meet there for 4.30. I can book a showing and show you the house today. You know, more than 50% of the people I offered that said yes. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, and now some of them are going to look at it. And then you'll never hear from them again because they have an agent. They just didn't want to bother for whatever reason. Yep. But you know what? I got zero leads from the actual open house. And I've actually gotten return on doing that. You didn't sell the actual house. You sold something else, but you got Correct. through that house, which is hugely important. Right. So it's the point of thinking different, finding different yeah. avenues. It's not just trying to do the same thing everybody else does. Yep. 
right? Because everybody, yeah, I know it doesn't open house and all oh, this is the kitchen, this is the living room. Like, uh, like the people looking are stupid and they've never seen a kitchen before, yeah. you know. What makes it's, you unique? It's about, right? the, it's about making the connection with the person, so you were able to, you know, display and, and showcase that. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'll work for you. I'll happily show you other houses. Like, and I'm not too busy. I'm, ha I'll give you the time. I'll give you my effort. And a lot of people just that's all they want. The reality is, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of agents that were not willing to work for their clients in that sense. You know, I, I hate to use the term shitty agents, but they're agents that, yeah, some of them, some of them are complacent. Some of them don't care. Some of them do. And there's other agents that are willing to go above and beyond. And I think for the most part, you know, agents want to, I mean, clients want to work with that type of agent who's willing to put in that effort. And if you're able to show that effort and you're willing to go above and beyond, they're appreciative of it. And that's really what ends up happening. So you showcase in that sense how how you're willing to put in that effort, you know, after you're done an open house to will it still go show them a house and you're creating a relationship with them. You're, you're showing them your personality. That's huge, no matter whether it's an open house, whether it's a cold call, whether it's a meeting, to show them who you are because they don't want to buy the house. They want to, they're looking to who to work with. Yes. And someone that they can associate with, they can trust that they, you know, are able to, you know, put that into their hands and that person can take care of it without, without a care. Right. So that's with care. Sorry. Um, and that's really what, what happens. Right. And it's the same thing as your, your open house to be able to do that is, is, is my phone calls. Right. I'm trying to establish that exact same thing, but over voice, over, over a phone call and then follow up with whatever follow-ups I do. Right. So. Absolutely. Now this is, correct me if I'm wrong. This is my, my version of things. I've heard from other agents that, um, you know, well, you know, people today are just not loyal, you know, it's like, they don't like, they call you, then they just call everybody. They just, you know, it's like, they're not loyal to anybody. So, and, but they expect us to be loyal. And my answer to it, and correct me if you think it differently, is my answer to that is they're not loyal, not because they're not loyal people, but you haven't shown them reasons to trust you and exclude and use you exclusively. So I am the type of person, um, and I was literally just had a phone call just before I got into this about, about you have to look inward. Yes. Everyone always says, oh, I didn't get the listing because of that person. I didn't get the listing because of this. I didn't get the listing because of this. And I always tell everybody, you need to look at why you, what you didn't do to get the listing. Why didn't I get this listing? I'm not upset at John because John got the listing over me through my presentation. I'm upset at myself because my presentation probably sucked and John's was a lot better. I'm upset with myself because John connected with those clients more so than I did. So what work do I have to do? So I have people in my farm area that I'm in competition with and I love it because it keeps me sharp. I don't look at it and hate on John. I look at it. I say, John's keeping me sharp. I have to be on my game. So like you said, how can I be better? How can I bond with them better? How can I, how can I be better in my, as a realtor? Not that I hate John because John took the listing and he's shit and da, 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 da. No, I always look at it in the reverse. It's like, what can I, what more can I do? And that's the biggest, biggest factor through it all. Everyone's always wants to point the finger when they actually need to point the finger at themselves, right? Your nose is right under your mouth. Right. I can have the worst breath and you would know that, but I would never notice that, even though it's because it's so close. And sometimes people are in that same situation where they're in their own heads. They don't realize it's themselves that are holding them back as opposed to just just let go of it and try to do the best that you can. I agree with you. And I agree. Like I look at life, not just uh, business, but life in uh, the firm of abundance. There's yep. plenty out there. You just have to go out and get it. Mm -hmm. I don't see things as in, um, you know, like, uh, where's the opportunity? How much money could I make? I look, I wake up every day and say, who's got my money? You know what I mean? And then how can I get it? There's more than enough pie out there for everyone. Right? Yes. So, and that's the idea. And the fact of the matter is I, I, in that same concept, I work from abundance, but I also work from a sense that I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do, uh, I want to be able to put my head on my pillow at night with a clear conscience. So 100%. no matter what I do, I want to make sure I did the best for that person, what I should normally do. I've got three kids. I've got a wife. I want to make sure I'm leaving the best example for my kids to understand that, you know, no matter what you do in life, whether it's business, friendship, anything you do, you do it, you do it to the best of your ability with a clear conscience uh, and you do it honestly. Right. And that's the idea. So I'm always in that mind frame. And if it doesn't, and like you said, you know, oh, they don't want to work with you. Well, if they're not loyal, then I don't want to work with them. Like people are always like, again, you work from abundance. So you're looking at it like other people are looking at, they lost something. I don't look at it as I lost something. I look at, I saved myself time and, you know, heartache from working with that person. 
right? I'll happily prove who I am, but I don't have to keep on doing it continuously, 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 uh, and then hope for it to come back. That person will have to want to work with me. And I want to work with people that want to work with me. I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I, they should, you know, I want to display who I am and all that other stuff. I want to chase the business, but I'm not going to beg for it. That's the difference, right? They understand who the person they're dealing with. Exactly. Right. I 100% agree with everything you just said there. Yeah. Now so, here's another thing I want to ask you. So you're making all these phone calls. Obviously there's only so much you're going to remember. How do you remember everything you've talked about, everything you've done? Do you use a CRM or do you just put into a calendar or what is your strategy there? So I use a CRM. So all my calls, so I use a dialer to call. So my dialer is able to go through all the numbers. Once I get the person uh, to be able to enter them into my database, they go into my CRM. Um, and I, you know, I, I, as an example, when someone goes into my CRM, now they're into my system. So as soon as I get their email address, they're now into my system. What does that mean? Well, uh, I tell people I don't send them cookie recipes and stuff like that. What's the, I, I, I have a dog and I used to train my dog and, and the train used to tell me, you know, like you give the dog an apple or you give him a piece of salami. What's a, what's a higher value treat? Well, obviously the salami, it stinks. It smells better. He wants to eat that. So I use that same concept as far as my prospects. What's a high value treat after I spoke to somebody who might be interested in buying and selling, what's the highest value email I can send them? Well, probably be sold in their neighborhood, probably what their neighbor sold for, what the cross the street sold for. So I put everyone in my system and that's what they get. They get the last 30 days of the solds and they continuously get solds in their neighborhood in my CRM, you know, and then after that, they get a welcome email. They go into my monthly newsletter. So they get, as soon as they get into my system, I have them locked in until they unsubscribe. And that's the idea of keeping them in and, and understanding, like you said, knowing, wanting to work with you, knowing who you are, showing them your personality, I use a lot of video and a lot of the stuff as well. So they understand and they can see my personality and see who they're working with. And it's funny because I get people calling me as if they already know me. I've never spoken. I've spoken to them a couple of times, but through their video, through everything that they've seen, they feel, hey, my cousin going. It's like, oh, yeah, hey, hey John. Like, And I, I've only spoke to them a few times, but because of all of what I've done, I'm able to build a persona. And that's the idea, right? Right. And that comes from consistency. Like you said, they see you through video, they hear you through the phone, they see your emails, they, re, you know, you're in constant contact with them. So they get to know who you are. And I'm sure it's based on authenticity as well. 100%. Definitely. And it's it, like you said, it's consistent. And it's speaking true of who I am. There's nothing that's fake about it. It's all and that unfortunately, that's that's who I am, right? And and I think a lot of people have to understand of of you are who you are you know you're not trying to portray somebody different i'm not trying to pretend i'm somebody else i am who i am these are my videos some of them might be a little bit you know not as uh edited as the best of ways but the fact of the matter is is that i find most agents are always you know working on the plan and never executing and that's happens a lot. And I was guilty for that when I first started is always like trying to put this plan together and, 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 and always, you know, working on it and it never actually comes to fruition. So it never actually comes out and uh, never gets executed and, and never, you never get to work it. And that's, that's the unfortunate part. So I'm in the mindset now, it's just, just put it out, just put it out, put it out, put it out, put it out. Right. And eventually something will happen. Wow. What timing? Because today we're recording on a Monday and I released a uh, little podcast quote clip kind of thing. It's called Minute Mondays every Monday. And you just touched upon the, today's uh, topic oh, wow. on Minute Mondays. <laughs> and I could summarize everything you just did, which is in my Minute Mondays. Done is better than perfect. Exactly. Exactly. hundred percent, hundred percent. And that, and, and I'm guilty. I, I'm just as guilty of it too. Right. Cause you, you want to work it. You want to, I, it, it comes down to like even cold calling. So I have a lot of people that, you know, I do a little bit of a new, new cold people that want to start the prospect. Right. And, uh, Oh, I gotta wait till my, to my, my script is better. I have to wait till this is perfect. I have to wait till this. And it's like, uh, I use an example because my kids play hockey is skating. Right. So, you know, they want to know what, what dialer I use and what headset and like, I can buy you the best skates. I can buy you the best stick, the best helmet. I can do get you the best hockey equipment in the world, but you won't be a good skater unless you go on the ice. And you're not going to be a good skater until you fall a whole bunch of times on that ice. No matter what, there's not one human being in this world that has not started skating and not fallen. So that's, true. And that's it, right? So it's like, yeah, you're going to cold call and you're going to be shitty at it. You're going to feel awful. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to be, uh, uh, not know what to say. 
but it's part of the evolution of it, right? I wasn't perfect when I started and it's about growing and learning from it and practicing and getting better. And now it comes to the point like Austin Matthews doesn't work on his shot. He's working on tiny little tweaks to make it that little much, much better. And you start to get to a point where it's like you're not going to have a revolutionary learning curve. Your learning curve becomes a little smaller, but it's these little tweaks that make it better. So it's about making mistakes. That's really what it is. And if you're not making mistakes, you're not growing. For sure. So that's the other thing, right? Like, as you said, in the beginning, you, um, in the beginning, you know, you sucked at it, right? How did you improve your scripts? Like, where did you, like, did you just, did you record yourself, analyze what you said? Yeah, I work. So I record. I used to record myself. I, I and I encourage even people that I work with now to you know record yourself, listen to yourself. Would you want to buy from yourself after you heard your conversation? I had a lot of coaches throughout the time. Um, you know, I did a lot of coaching. But one of the one of the great coaches that I had, which which really helped me out, and I was only with him for a short period, um, was Derek Lipsky. And Derek Lipsky is a uh, realtor out of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and I worked with him, I think, for about four or six months. And he kicked my ass as far as cold calling. He really helped me, but he had a lot of uh, stuff on, on YouTube and stuff like that. And that, that really catapulted a lot of my verbiage and a lot of my objection handling. Uh, and then along the way, just picking up stuff here and there. And it's it really comes, it's really simple. It's really about finding what the person's, isolating the objection. Because everybody's going to give you an objection on the phone. Now, you have to decipher on whether it's actual smoke and mirrors or whether it's a chew objection. You know, John, you want to sell your house? I'm not sure I have to ask my wife. Okay, well, if your wife said yes, would you be opposed to selling it? Now, I've isolated that objection of asking you what, because you, know, you put it onto your wife. So I used a hypothetical. A hypothetical would be any. That's the magic of a hypothetical question. I can use whatever I want. There's no limitation for it. So hypothetically speaking, John, if your wife said she wanted to sell, would you sell? Well, you know, now the true objection is going to come out. And now I can isolate that. So I always use that that quote from the Wolf of Wall Street, right? Sell me this pen, right? The, and the guy, Brad, that was in it. Actually, I watch it every once in a while. Um, it's like, okay, well, you know, write your name down. Well, you don't have a supply and demand. And the fact of the matter is, is that I can't sell you something that I don't know if you need it or not. True. So why don't I find out first and find out if you need it and then I can sell it to you. I agree with you on that. And that's right. the thing, right? There's too many people thinking that it's about convincing people. Sales no. isn't about convincing people. It's about finding the person who needs the product. And then convincing them that you are the best person to help them with their product. That's the idea. So back when I was eight years ago, cold calling, it was that it was shoving it, not, you know, not shoving it down their throat, but convincing them to sell, pushing, pushing, pushing. Now it's about creating relationships and it's about the follow up. But it's also it's also about understanding where the client is and finding out what their solution, what their problem is. And it's, you know, I find more so now a lot of people are not willing to do something on that first call. Right. It's about the follow-up. And I, everyone says the follow-up is where the money is. It truly is. Because very rarely now will I get appointments off those phone calls. I used to before. But now it's about making the initial call, finding out if they're interested or not, and then following up over the next weeks and months and even years, right? And that's that's where I'm finding I'm getting all my deals from. Right. Now, here's the thing, right? I'm glad you said follow-up. Because a lot of people in the industry say, oh, i got to follow up. But let's face it, the majority of people say I'll follow up, but do not follow up. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, how often do you follow up? And from the initial phone call, how long do you wait before you call back? So like I said, so I make the phone call to somebody, um, get their email address. I put them to my system. The first thing they get from me is a welcome video email. Welcome to my website. My mind's Mike Samara. They get a little glimpse of my personality. The next email comes out two days later. They get the solds in their area. Right from that point in time, they're obviously in my farm area. They're now going to probably depends on where they are in, in the month period. They're going to see my newsletter. They're going to see my flyer come in the mail. Right. There's the third touch point. Then from the flyer in the mail, maybe a three weeks later, they're going to get my monthly newsletter that comes out via email. And they're going to see that as well. And that has built in videos in it as well. Um, and then through that, throughout the year, I strategically plan things where I send and I go out to people and I give them things. So I do almost like the Buffini style of the Popeyes, right? 
Yes. I just recently I did. Uh, so I did. Uh, I gave everybody in my farm area that was in my database. I had little packages of cookies made and I dropped off a little package of cookies to everyone in the neighborhood that was in my database. That was that was a contact knock on our door. Hey, here you go. I did 400 packages of those in my area. So then I dropped off pumpkins to everybody. And then, you know, Christmas time, I do gingerbread houses. In the springtime, I send everybody little packets of uh, seeds, you know, for springtime. Uh, in the summertime, I do something else. So I'm trying to constantly, like you said, be a little bit different for most people and also try to keep in contact with them, but in a different way, right? Not to do the same thing that everybody else does. But it's so many legs of a table that I that, that my marketing is on that I'm able to hit people all different sides, right? So... Like you said, they get the email, they see the video, they get the newsletter, they drive by the street, they see a sold sign on the on the street, they pass by my office, they see my office, they get another email, they get a package of cookies, they see my pumpkin, they get a gingerbread, they get a Christmas card in the mail. All this stuff adds up and that's the follow-up. So it's about the system in place, but it's about having all those structures as well and being able to execute them. Right. That makes total sense. Now, let me ask you, you know, speaking of uh, Christmas and stuff, that's kind of an event. Do you ever do client appreciation parties? So I used to do client appreciation parties um, and I might get back into them again. Um, but yeah, a lot of my colleagues have been doing uh, uh, parties. The problem I'm, I find is that my clientele is now spread over so much of Ontario that it's hard mm -hmm. to do it in a central location. That's where I'm finding my issue. Is that okay? Great. Now, I, you know, where do I do the event? I have people in Tottenham, in Vaughan, in downtown Toronto, in Etobicoke, Mississauga, Orangeville. You know, does the event make take, you know make sense to do it somewhere? And that's where I'm finding a little bit of the struggle. So instead of doing that, I'm kind of I'm doing that those Popeyes with these little bit of gifts here and there to do that. But events are great to do. I have client, I have uh, colleagues of mine that uh, they rent out the movie theater. And they bring over Christmas and they bring a Santa Claus and they send it out to their whole database and they all come. They take a picture with Santa. They meet the, you know, greet the realtor, have some drinks and stuff like that in the lobby. And then they go into the movie. So that's a great way of doing it over the holidays as well. So, Right. Now, all this marketing sounds expensive. I mean, I know the truth in it, but I mean, I'm, I'm getting to a point mm -hmm. where is like a new agent to hear this and say, wow, I got to spend all this money. Yeah, the reality is, I think a it's an investment, but b there's a strategy to doing it because, like yep. you said, when you started, you started off needing to do other things to earn income. Yeah. So obviously, this built a certain way. So how do you determine your marketing budget and how much of yours? Like, do you take a percentage off of every sale to reinvest it, or do or do you have a flat budget that you just go through no matter what? I I'm. I guess I'm not very good in that. I look at it in the sense that I can't, can I afford not to do this? That's how I literally look at it in the sense, and I, I, I'm at the point now, can I afford not to do this? I come up with all these different ideas, right? So literally, and I came up, uh, I do, I did a free pumpkin flyer, right? They scan the code and I deliver a pumpkin right to their front door. So there's ways that you can do things that are not very expensive. A pumpkin costs $1.99 at Walmart. Right. A dollar ninety nine at Walmart. I can and, and you if you wanted to, you could have just done that over social media. I said, I'll give you a free pumpkin and you buy. I, I bought pumpkins at, a, at you know 10 at a time and I would go deliver them. So, yeah, I'm definitely always money conscious about things. I understand where I have to spend money. It hurts. I don't like to spend money, but sometimes you just have to. Right. So the pumpkins are a cheap event for me. The cookies, those are a little bit more expensive. Those are like three fifty a package. Right. So. Um, but there's cheap ways of doing things. There's other ways. So for me, there's another, like talking of competition, there's another realtor in my farm area. She, I think she must've bought 10,000 pumpkins and she handed them out to every single street in the neighborhood. So I was about, okay, well, I don't want to hand out 10,000 pumpkins. I don't want to pay for 10,000 pumpkins. Um, but what's a way that I can hand out pumpkins to people who reach out to me, people who I can get their information. And that's why I came up with this flyer. They have to scan the code. They automatically have to put in their address, their postal code, their email address, their phone number to get a free pumpkin. They've given me all their information and it goes directly into my CRM. I have their, they, they gave it to me. I will go to their house. I will happily drop a pumpkin off and they go back into my system where they'll get the welcome email. They get a video saying, great, you received your, your request. I'm sending you a pumpkin right away. They're going to get the solds for the last 30, 30 days or last 30 days and continuously get the solds. 
And now I've made that contact and I'm able to do that. So I've looked at it in a different way that I don't have to spend a whole sh you know, crap load of money. I only handed, I handed out, I think this year, 80 pumpkins, but 80 people that are now in my database. Right. See, now there you go. Pumpkins are $2, right? Yep. So $2 times 80 people is 160 bucks. Yep. Now, because a lot of people, you know, everyone's going to be a social media star when they get in. Yep. Let's be honest, right? They all, every, that's what everyone thinks. Now let's do the mathematical calculation there. $2 at 80 pumpkins, that's $160. Now with Facebook, the average lead, at least from some of the stuff I've done, is about $5.21 per lead. Mm -hmm. So if you do the same math, that's $400 roughly for 80 people. And now out of that 80 people on Facebook, I think out of 100 people, three or four might be real. Fair enough. Like, all the people looking are real because they want the information. I mean, yep. real information where they actually give you your email, their email, give you the real phone number, give you the real address, right? Or, you know, and actually want you to follow up or, yep. you know what I mean? Like, so if you look at that price, that's, that's, oh, that's almost $20 a person or $30 a person yep. to get the real thing, right? Now you got $2 and you got everybody's real address because they want the pumpkin delivered to their door right they want it they so need it looking so, for you exactly, <laughs> right exactly. so that's a better investment it definitely is the sad thing is though john and the, the reality is is that everyone's trying to go after these internet leads and it comes back to you know my craft which i i believe is it, um, i know it is it's sales how to talk to people how to handle objection you can have all the, you can have all the leads you want anybody can get leads it's easy to get leads but if you don't know how to talk to them, what to say, how to say it, it's irrelevant how many leads you have. It's 100% irrelevant. And that's where the that's where the magic doesn't happen for a lot of people. Because it's all about leads, 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 leads. Everyone talks about leads, all these lead companies, lead generation websites, all this other stuff. But if you don't have the skills to convert the leads into sales, then they are just leads. Yes. Exactly. 100%. You don't know how to talk to them. And that comes back to, you know, my colleagues who had the, 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 that, the craft of being able to talk to people, handle objections to then move that over into so many different aspects and even doing open houses, being able to, 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 you know, be able to handle objections or an open house. You were able to overcome an objection of, listen, I'll show you the house a value proposition to them after I'm done work. Would you want to see it? You're creating the relationship, but all the new agents believe social media and internet leads is the way of the future and that's how people make their money. I can assure you right now, there's a lot of agents who are on social media who have a huge following. There's some that make a really good money. Don't get me wrong, but there's some of them that they don't make as much as you think they make. They may have a really great presence on, on social media, but they're not making what you make, what you think they make. And that's, that's, that's where the false hope comes from a lot of people. I do not consider posting on Instagram and Facebook prospecting at all. No, not at all. For That's me, prospecting. the internet is just brand building. That's exactly where it is. It's for people to understand and see me even more so and get more familiar with me, right? And if and if there if there are some people that come across me and new that I don't know that have a liking to me and I pick them up fair enough, but for me, my that's there again just to build my brand a little bit better. My work comes outside of that. I agree with you. See, that's the thing, right? Like I've been online enough and I've done enough videos, enough podcasts, enough everything. And I'm constantly posting. I mean, there's, there's weeks that I post uh, 10 to 15 pieces a day, um, not all on one platform or spread out. But the point I'm getting at is that I've done it enough, long enough. I mean, I've been in this business for six years and from day one, I've posted every day. So six years of consistent posting daily. I'm now at the point where I go to grocery stores, people recognize me. Yep. I go to Tim Hortons, I'm sitting down, people just say, hey, are you so-and-so? Yep. And stuff like that. And it's happening regularly now. But mm -hmm. this is six years later. Mm -hmm. And my point is, all that is worthless un unless you know how to talk to them once they do approach you. You have to be able to convert them. Yes. And you have to know what and how to say to them. You have to know how to convert them. And the biggest thing, again, is about understanding what their problem is and you having the solution. So I use the problem and objection interchangeably. So someone who gives you the objection, who has the problem, who does, who, who, 
you're there to solve the problem. You're there to solve the problem of moving people. That's really what you're there. You're trying to find somebody who needs to move, wants to move, thinking about moving, and to give them all the information and help them walk them through that process and to show them at the end of the day that you know, they need to work with you. I truly believe that the person on the other line of that phone needs to work with me because I'll give them service that no other agent can give them. I believe that in my heart. And that's what comes through over the phone. And that's why people want to work with me. That's the idea. And it really, again, it comes back to that, you know, smelling your own breath. It's inside of you. It comes down to that confidence of if you're not, if you don't believe you're the best agent, then do what you need to do. Learn uh, to, how to be the best agent possible. And I'm continuously learning, but I truly feel that, that at the end of the day, yeah, they need to work. They need to work with me. You, you have to work with me, John, because I'm going to give you the best service. I'm going to give you the best real estate advice I can to the best of my knowledge, give you the most amount of information that I can to help you make the best decision possible. I'm going to help you navigate this. Uh, I believe I'm the best person to work with you on this. And that's where people miss out on. I agree with you there. And see, everything you have said throughout this podcast is how you provide value, not how you can sell them something. Yes. But how you provide them value and it's the law of reciprocity. Yes. Yes. You got to give to get, that's what it comes down to. That's, yeah. that's been there since the beginning of time, except we've never called it that. Yes. So now I, I don't know about you, but I get tons of daily inbox messages on every damn platform. I can help your clients with this. I can help your clients with that. And reality is that's not the way to do sales today. Yes. Like even the big box stores are starting to change their message. I mean, like 20 years ago, it was 50% off. Your phone would ring off the, the hook. It was all about 50% off, 25% off on sale. Now people have seen this on sale crap so much. They don't care anymore. Yep. And you know what? I've been in the business for six years. You've been in the business 12 years. So we'll use a mortgage broker. I'm going to pick on them. If they inbox you telling you how they can help your clients, you mean to tell me in 12 years, you don't know anybody. Right. Like, give me a break. That's not the way to break the ice. You want to work with me. You got to get to know me and I got to get to know you. I'm not going to just pass you off to somebody. Forget even if I'm looking for somebody, how do I know that I'm not going to pass you off to somebody and I'm going to look like a dummy for doing it? Yep. Right. You have to build trust with somebody, build relationships. The mortgage business, the same business as real estate, just one's financing. One's about the actual product. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's all through relationships. If a person doesn't know you, they have no vested interest in recommending you because the recommendation is a is a relay of how you are. Yep. So, and that's the thing. So you said right from the get-go, you provide value. You showcase what you bring. So I love that. Love that message. Yep. And it's about continuously moving forward and trying to be, like I'm always trying to be a better agent. I'm trying to be a better customer service person. I'm trying to be, you know, the best agent I can. It's there's no finish line to this, right? I'm constantly being moved. And, and like, again, I was having this conversation about the competition in my farm area. I love it. It keeps me sharp. It keeps me moving. It keeps me non-complacent as well, because there's a lot of agents who think that they've got it all and they, they don't need to learn anymore, but you're constantly learning, whether I'm learning as a realtor or just as a human being, just to move forward. I always want to be better. And it's I'll never cross that finish line because I'll always be little tidbits to try to get better and better and better each and every day. Absolutely. You're either growing or dying. And the minute you believe you know it all is the minute you start dying. And uh, fortunately, in this business, ego kills a lot of people, right? For ego sure. Ego kills a lot of people. You, you know, I'm the best. I did all this other stuff. And and they're too good to do certain things. And I truly find ego, especially in the real estate business, kills and ruins a lot of uh, careers in this business because of the ego. And if you can keep your ego out of this and do what's best for the person, it works out in the long run. For sure, man. So now I want to go back to your cold calling uh, every, yes. uh, it's every Monday, right? I do. Um, so I do a, a pro accountability group. So yes, yes. that's what I was getting at. Yeah. So it's yes. basically we have about anywhere from, you know, six to 12 agents that hop onto a Zoom call. Um, I do a little powwow at the beginning. And then basically we just kind of are all on the Zoom on mute and we just make our calls and we have a chat opening up uh, that opens up, you know, Oh, how to, you know, how to, someone just told me to F off or a uh, hundred calls, only three answers today or da, 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 da. But it's the point of it is it's an accountability group to see other people working and making their calls. And it doesn't matter. I, I know 
I've come across this with a few other people when I, as soon as I say cold calling, everyone's scared. No one wants me to use that term because it turns off so many people. Um, so it's, we call it prospecting, but prospecting and cold calling, I mean, are almost one and the same. You can still prospect and call your sphere. You can call the people, your relatives, your friends. I happen to call neighborhoods that I haven't speak to people before. So in the group, we have people that are calling internet leads. We have people calling new development leads. We have people calling their sphere. We have people calling their network. Um, so it's just the idea is to keep everyone accountable. Everyone knows Monday, 10 o'clock, we're on. If you're not on a mess, where are you coming in? Some people are busy. I understand that. But the idea is that that group is there every morning at 10 o'clock as a platform for people to kind of keep on track. And we've got people from all over the GTA. We have somebody from Atlanta, Georgia on there. Once in a while, I have a, an agent from Florida that jumps on. So it's pretty amazing in that aspect just to keep people on their toes, right? Right. And this is where I was going with it is the whole accountability part. Right. Like I, I think everybody joining, like starting in the business should find an accountability partner or a system and all that. Now you said that sometimes people are busy and whatever. Now I'm a real fan of time blocking. Yeah. Now I, I think really you run out of business if you don't prospect. Yeah. So prospecting should be your number one, more important than the deal writing. Yeah. And that should be top priority. With that being said, you do your prospecting between 10 and 12. So if someone joins your group, they should have that time blocked week in, week out. Every time somebody wants an appointment and say, hey, I'd love to make it. But unfortunately, you know, you don't tell them I'm time blocking for this or that. You just say, I got a meeting between those times or I got an appointment already booked. So can we do it after one o'clock? hundred uh, percent. I mean, we're in real estate. Things, things sometimes do change. Oh my God, I did a deal on Saturday. We have to do the inspection for Monday morning. Okay. And it happens, right? So I'm not at the end of the, I mean, this is going to sound really awful. I don't give a shit if you don't join on or not. Like, of course it doesn't, not. Affect, doesn't affect me. It really doesn't. Exactly. exactly. And, that, and that's the thing. It's your own responsibility yes. to succeed. Yes. But the fact that you join an accountability group yes. is, yeah. is like you're committing to that. Yeah. Like on my phone, just, uh, you know, just so I can show it, like for fitness, I'm on, I have six other people on my phone that I follow and we follow each other's fitness. How many calories did you close out rings? I'm on an iPhone, stuff like that. It's the same concept, even though some, you know, you may not be on or may be on or we're holding, oh, Mike, you didn't, why are you, you know, calories so low today? Or, you know, Stu, what's happening? You're not working out today. That idea to keep somebody pushing you. Some people get discouraged by it. Some people excel in it. And that's, you have to understand where you are. But, you know, sometimes you just need a little kick in the ass. 100%. So let me ask you, are you a, a solo agent or have you built a team or have you joined a team? By myself. All uh, by myself. I do everything by myself. Okay. Let me ask you, because you've been in the business a long time. Yeah. And I know you're uh, you know, a great producer. Like I said, I've done a little uh, research. <laughs> and... Um, so with that being said, how come you haven't uh, scaled to the next level? Or do you not even do you want to, or do you like keeping it the way you are? So I used to be, a, I used to have a team before with a, a partner. I've tried to have people underneath me. Um, I guess I haven't had the right team members, but more importantly, I want to focus. On, I enjoy real estate. I enjoy going to the person's house. I enjoy selling to people. I enjoy meeting the person. There's some people that get into this and they want to be behind the scenes. They want to be, you know, the puppet master and be able to pull the strings. I will, I, this is what keeps me going, making the phone call and going to the house get, I get a thrill from that. So for me, the most rewarding part is actually being out there, always meeting. The, I love meeting different people, right? Meeting all these different homeowners who are looking to sell, who are looking to buy, who have different issues that I need to help solve with. That's what I enjoy. I'm not a nine to five guy where I have to be stuck into this routine but also too is that i just i find some people want the easy answer and that's why they join the team yes. so they think they think it's a magic pill right oh my god i'm going to join mike and i'm just going to be fed leads all day long and i'm just going to go and they're just going to sign papers and i'm going to sell houses and it's like well, it doesn't work that way like it doesn't even after 12 years like it does it's you got to work for what you get right i agree with you now and, I have a I have a friend who uh, is a team. Uh, well, he's the team leader. He's it's, it's created after him, and he uh, says right at uh, interview that um, if you're here just for leads, you're at the wrong place. I will not even feed you a lead for ninety days minimum. You have to be there to learn and learn systems and grow. Like that's the purpose. Yep. Yep. 
So, I mean, there's other teams that work amazingly. Um, I was trained. I, you know, I worked with uh, actually a coach who coached one of the largest teams in Ontario and coaches, uh, you know, the top 1%. Uh, if you don't know who she is, then you research it. But yeah, uh, she's coached us from our office for a bit sometimes. Um, I, I don't know. It's just for me, I do everything. I'm by myself. I do all my deals myself. I have everything so automated in the sense that it's pretty simple for me not to, you know, to do it by myself. I don't need an assistant. I have uh, all these different, you know, I, I, I leverage off a lot of different systems and that's the idea. Okay. So um, what would you say to a person who's looking to hire a realtor, whether it's to sell or buy, what would your advice be? Someone to hire a realtor is to uh, trust your gut. Ask them enough questions, research them enough, but be comfortable that you are going to work with this person, right? Um, and I tell my clients all the time, uh, you decide whether you think I'm the right agent for you or not. There's 90,000 realtors in, in Ontario, and you can go ahead and throw a dart and pick anybody you want. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to work with this person. So you got to be able to want to work with the person that you, that's going to sell your house or buy your property. And you got to be able to trust that person. So go ahead, interview as many people as you like. Ask me any questions you need to ask me. Go to my website, look at my testimonial page. I'll happily give you the phone numbers of anybody on there to speak to them. Uh, I'm only as good as my, you know, my last sale and stuff like that. So I'd be happy to work with you, but go ahead and, and do your research. But at the end of the day, trust your gut. Trust your gut on who you feel will do the best job for you and give you the best customer service. For sure. That was a great answer. Now, being respectful of your time, where can people find you online? Ah, uh, okay. They could uh, find me on Instagram on, I think it's Michael Samra underscore realtor. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Michael Samra, uh, getsold.ca. I also branded through that on, uh, on, uh, on my website um that's pretty much it i'm on instagram facebook i think linkedin as well uh youtube getsold.ca so fantastic any uh, last piece of advice or words to whether agents or um hone your craft hone your craft that's that's the biggest thing i can tell everybody is uh you're in sales hone the craft of sales understands people's wants and needs and learn how to uh, provide that service to that I think that was a mic drop moment. I want to thank you for being on the podcast, man. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. For sure. Take care. You too.